we'd always get to the end zone and kind of have a tea party with each other. <laughs> a nice pot of tea in the end zone. Now that sounds good. You've got to balance out the beer at a game, haven't you, with the hot drinks. I'll bring the biscuits. <laughs> Welcome to The Good Sports Podcast. I'm so pumped to bring you this interview. I've been super keen to do something on the uh, growing popularity of, um, of uh, women's American football for, for such a long time. Uh, I think I've probably got one of the best guests out there to have a chat with us. She's a terrific athlete who's played sports at a high level her whole life. She now plays wide receiver for the Boston Renegades, who are defending national champions in the world's best women's tackle football league, the Women's Football Alliance. We talk touchdown celebrations, rivalries, who's playing the sport, and if this is the best time for women's sport. So without further ado, let's hear it. This is Emily Beinecke on the Good Sports Podcast. Emily, normally when I do these interviews, I kind of start at the beginning and say, you know, how did you get into your sport, blah, blah, blah. But we'll just do it a little bit differently today and we'll just kind of, we'll just roll with it, really. So um, new season just around the corner for you and the Renegades. You'll be defending national champions when you get going in April. I think that's when you get going. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah, we start our uh, regular season starts April 6th, uh, but we are j- already started our preseason practices as of two weeks ago. Nice. OK, well, talk to me about that preseason campaign then and, and how you feel going into the new season. Um, yeah, so we have about it's it ends up being about a three month preseason, which sounds long, but I mean, it, it almost doesn't feel long enough just because, you know, we have kind of installations that that take a little while to roll out. So our coaches are, you know, they're very They've got a really good foresight in terms of what it is that we need to work on and how it is that we're going to install various defensive packages, offensive series, all that. Um, so, yeah, we've started a couple weeks ago now, and we have at least a dozen rookies that have come in and have really good energy. And um, practices so far have been going as well as they've ever gone at this point in the season. I mean, I think probably probably one of our best preseasons so far is, uh, you know, in terms of hustle and energy and um, just talent in general. So I, we're all really excited about uh, the season. And again, defending the title is, you know, it's a thing that we don't really think about. It's just sort of like we're on to the next practice, we're on to the next play. It's just sort of, you know, just hard work one day after the next. So it's been a lot of fun. And about a dozen new faces, you say. Is that a good number going into the new season? Uh, yeah, I mean, we always have uh, somewhat of a turnover from from year to year just because some women will move or uh, retire or, you know, due to injury or, you know, what have you, various life circumstances. So we always have some amount of turnover every year. So it does always feel kind of like a brand new team um, and a new legacy to kind of help build out. So. And when you have new players come in, um, do they have to have well, some kind of sporting background? Do they generally have some kind of sporting background, football experience, or is it literally anyone who's keen? Yeah, it's 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 truly anyone who wants to come try out. And if they, you know, ha- participate in a couple practices and they think it's something they can keep up with, um, then they'll s- stick with it. I mean, most of us, the, the nice thing about football is that we all kind of start on the same level because really football was not offered to us growing up so much. Um, and like as women, we just didn't really have the experience in high school or college. So a lot of us come from different sporting backgrounds. So for instance, I mean, I played softball competitively in high school and college, uh, and then transitioned to, you know, tackle football. And then, uh, we have a number of people who've played rugby in the past, but again, it's an entirely different sport. And, uh, you know, a couple of ba- like basketball players, a lot of basketball players, uh, some soccer players. It's just kind of a mix of everything, which makes it a lot of fun. And that leads quite nicely on to one of my later questions, actually. So I might as well just bring it to the fore now. Why wasn't, sure? <laughs> why wasn't uh, full contact uh, American football offered to girls uh, back in the day then, do you think? I think it's just been one of those sports that's been just so gendered. Like, it's like, I, I have no other real answer for that because, of course, soccer and basketball, softball, there's like always been sort of a counterpart for, for women, you know, where there's a men's sport. Um, and I think it's just been like a stereotype that women can't take a hit or that we can't, we're not just not tough enough. Um, so, I mean, I actually had the opportunity to play tackle football in seventh grade. So this would have been, I was 13 at the time and I just happened to, you know, I had a lot of guy friends who wanted to play football and I decided to try it out. 
And then I uh, was convinced by all my girlfriends at the time to then go ahead and play soccer in eighth grade. So I only played for the one season, but it was a lot of fun. I always remembered that that year always stuck with me. Um, it wasn't something that I ever thought I would come back to, but as fate would have it, I found the Renegades and I've been having a blast. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's just, it's just been one of those things that, that there's always been a barrier for, for women um, in terms of just the assumption that, that we can't be tough enough to play the sport. Yeah, there's definitely been that kind of gender bias over here. Remarkably, the um, you know American football has not only uh, boomed, especially at the university level, but we've got women's teams uh, over here now as well, and they're and they're absolutely ace, and it's super organised and in a really competitive environment. It's great to see, and as as far as I understand, we've uh, well, no, not we, sorry, but you, the Boston Renegades, has got one of our uh, Birmingham Lions, who also plays for Team GB, a running back who's heading out your way soon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ben was uh, filling me in. Is it Ruth? Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, okay, that's great. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I've I've been hearing about her from from Ben, and I've you know we've been hearing about the the leagues that have been starting overseas, and it's it's exciting to hear. Uh, we actually had a uh, young woman from uh, Belgium come play for us. I think this was my rookie season. Uh, this woman, Sarah, and so she's been playing in in leagues over in Europe, uh, and we've been kind of following her on social media and seeing her progress. And it's it's super cool to see that it's you know American football has uh, caught wind and you know gained steam across seas as well. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Emily, so you've been playing for the Boston Renegades for f- about five seasons now. You said you got a bit of a flavor for tackle football uh, when you were back in school as a young teenager. But what drew you? to play American football again after so many years playing softball and basketball and everything else when you're at college? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I actually, so after I graduated from college, I coached for a year for the same program that I played for, uh, the softball program. And then I was looking to still kind of stay sharp in terms of, you know, have a competitive edge playing something else myself and not just coaching. So I joined a flag football league, which was, you know, not full contact, but it's pretty, it's a pretty aggressive league, um, of flag football. And I learned from a couple of the players on the team that there was a tackle program because they played for the tackle squad and they used to be known as the Boston militia. So, um, so they had been playing for the militia at the time and convinced me to try out. And at that point I was like, sure, why not? Like I'm always looking to get into a new sport and at the very least it's something that's going to help keep me in shape. So I was kind of just looking for a new community to be a part of. And as it turned out, I just ended up falling in love with the sport. Um, and I think like you mentioned, like my, the sports that I've played in the past, I think also fed very well into the position that I play now, um, as a wide receiver, you know, I was a soccer goalie. Uh, growing up and also a guard in basketball and a middle infielder in softball and you know all three of those positions end up kind of lending themselves to the the skills needed for a wide receiver so it actually it just worked out really well in basically all of the ways that it could have. So what do you remember about that tryout again for a tackle football team that first time you kind of you know hit the field again and you were were catching footballs? Let's see, this would have been back in the winter of 2014. And I remember going and thinking, wow, this is very well organized and very well coached. And the women who are playing the sport are very, um, they, they all wanted to just teach the new players. They, they were like taking this sport very seriously. And the way that they kind of carried themselves with the, the pride that they had with the sport they played, I was like, wow, this is something I could totally see myself buying into. Um, the drills were run really well. I was learning immediately how, like the steps to run certain routes as a receiver. I was learning, you know, all about, you know, what a line, you know, an offensive line was, uh, what linebackers were. And it's funny because I've been watching the sport ever since Tom Brady, you know, was a rookie back in 2001. And I was a young Patriots fan. And I, I would watch the sport, but I wouldn't totally understand what the positions were and what everyone's responsibilities were. So it was cool to go to a practice that really um, laid all of the groundwork for that and kind of showed the choreography of the game. Uh, so I was always very impressed by that and knew that it was something that I wanted to kind of buy into and be a part of. Sounds like you've um, really had a super sporty background playing uh, softball, uh, soccer, uh, football over here to us Brits, of course, uh, <laughs> basketball and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and all the rest of it. I mean, where does your enthusiasm for sport come from? I don't know. I mean, that's a really good question. I feel like <laughs> I feel like my passion is actually for kind of is for people, I think, first and foremost. So I think that 
um, you know, being able to be a part of a team is always something that's really special just because you have that bond with people in a way that you really can't find in other ways. Um, and I think it just manifested itself in, in playing sports. Um, and it, I don't know, it's, it's kind of meditative almost like you get to go out in a field and just put everything else on hold and just be so invested in something that, you know, like, you know, a dozen other women around you are also invested in. It's, it's one of those things that you can't really describe, but you know exactly how it feels like, and you know exactly that, that you want to be a part of it for, for the long haul. And softball seems to be uh, the main sport that you played in, from what I can tell, at least when you went to college. Um, Was that your main game? Yeah, so I grew up playing baseball forever. I played baseball with all the boys. And then finally, when I was a freshman in high school, the softball head coach had uh, talked to me and she was like, you know what, you should play for the softball program. Because actually, as it turns out, like we have a better program than the baseball team does. (laughs) She's like, we're going to win games and we want you to be a part of this this squad. So I switched over to softball. And uh, I just happened to be super lucky that I had a coach that um, really cared about the game and taught me everything that I knew about softball at the time. And she helped me get recruited to college. And um, yeah, softball was just, it it was always the thing that made sense. Like ever since I was able to pick up a ball and throw it, I wanted to throw a ball. And every time, you know, I saw that, I wanted to swing it. So it was kind of second nature, uh, something I always did, you know, in the spring, in the summer. Nice. We started playing softball when I was in high school. But before that, we played rounders. Do you have rounders over there? We don't. And I'm curious to know more about that. What is that? It's it's like baseball, basically, but it's a small bat. It's like half the size and and it's like a it's like a tennis ball. Um, So it's yeah, it's it's a bit different. You know, obviously softball, bigger ball, bigger bat. Right. So it's yeah, it's just like Mm -hmm. a small scale. But I mean, it's exactly the same. You've got got bat stop, run around the bases, fielders, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, yeah. that's so fun. Yeah, it was great fun. And softball is going to be in the next Olympics isn't it as well as baseball yeah i heard they're reinstating it which is great because yeah team usa had actually lost the, the last uh, gold medal match that, that they played uh, i think to japan and so the whole reason that they were getting rid of it i think was because they didn't see that there was any competition kind of with team usa um and so but now it's you know gaining steam again which is great to hear absolutely well before we uh, abandon the softball talk. Um, you won a national championship, didn't you, when you were at university on that team? What do you remember about that year? Yeah, it was a great year. So that, that was back in 2013. So that was my senior season. Um, and I went to Tufts University, which is a, um, it's actually a fairly large Division three program um, in Boston. And we had actually competed the year before in 2012 in the College World Series. And had come in, I think we came in fifth place that year. Um, So we had a really good run the year before. And we graduated a couple really key players going into my senior year. So we were kind of like, you know, hoping that, you know, people would just mature and kind of grow into these positions to replace those women who had graduated. And we ended up having a really, really good run. Um, A lot of people stepped up and we ended up winning a national championship at the end of the year, which was I mean, to end your college career on a win is like the dream. (laughs) It's still something that like I I think about here and there and I'm like, I can't believe that happened. Like I was, we just got really lucky with the recruits that we had, with the the camaraderie that we had, the the skills that we had and that we were able to kind of cultivate. Even in like the New England winter, we were just playing indoors for the most part on a surface that was not, you know, the same surface that we'd be playing in the spring and in the summer. Um, but we developed a lot of skill and it was just, it was a dream season. It was, it was a lot of fun. Oh, sounds absolutely brilliant. I got really fond memories when I was at uni, when, when I was playing American football about 10 years ago and and the setup then was absolutely nothing like it's like now over here in Britain. People are absolutely nuts for American football, but we won the national championship and it was a cold wintry afternoon. Um, but you know, the, the enthusiasm and the kind of, you know, the camaraderie that you have with all your teammates and your kind of later years at uni. I mean, nothing meant more. It was just the best. It was so cool. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Right. OK, well, let's stick with the topic of American football now, because that's what we're here to talk about. And I've been <laughs> such a big fan for such a long time. And and really, the kind of sports exploded over here in the UK with the uh, the London games at Twickenham and at Wembley and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you said earlier that when you went to your tryout um, for the Boston team that you play for now, you sounded quite surprised with how well-organised it all was. I mean, the setup over there now for women's tackle football, is it the best it's ever been, do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely, I mean, we had a rebuilding season after that, because after that tryout that I went to, the team actually folded because the owner decided to kind of pull out from, from the game. Um, and so they kind of had to rebuild and rebrand. And so now we're uh, former players uh, own the team. So they rebranded as the Boston Renegades after having been the Boston Militia. Um, and ever since then, we've been, you know, we finally hired uh, Johnny Johnson as our head coach, who you're going to be speaking to as well. And he is an unbelievably organized guy. And he started, I think my rookie season, he was kind of a, a guest coach for a little while uh, for the offensive line specifically. And then we saw how great he was and how great his energy was. And so then hired him as the head coach. And then soon thereafter, we had Vernon Crawford come on. And Vernon, he's a uh, former NFL player. He used to play for the Patriots as a linebacker. And he's just a total genius, like just offensive savant. Uh, and so he's been our offensive coordinator. And now just seeing how the practices are run, it's definitely, this is definitely one of the best preseasons we've had. Um, and again, I don't know the history necessarily before 2015, so I can only speak to my time here. Um, but I think, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely at, we're definitely not peaking, but we're definitely, uh, you know, still on the climb of just being the best organized and the best coached that we've, that we've been. And what's the kind of like uh, take up and interest in women's tackle football over there in the States then in terms of like sponsorship and those types of things? Do you ever get on TV at all? Yeah, we've had um, we've had, you know, there's a local uh, news station that does a feature called Chronicle. And so Chronicle, if you're from the New England area, you're very familiar with this segment and it'll air on like the news, like on a weekly basis. And they'll usually do different features here and there. And so they, they came through and they interviewed a couple of us in our workplaces and also on the field um, and did a segment for us. And so that was cool. Um, The only thing, and they'll do like various uh, local news stations will do some coverage, but it's not like a consistent, um, sorry, we don't have like consistent televised games so that part is still a work in progress. I mean, we'll have kind of live tweets and, you know, Facebook live feeds, but there's not, um, you know, a local radio station that's covering the game or a local TV station that's covering the game. So I think that would be kind of the next step to, to you know, hope for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those live streams and stuff, I mean, they've taken off in a really big way. And, and, yeah. and to be honest, amazing, at, um, you know, promoting a brand you know, worldwide and making it really accessible for people, um, especially people who are maybe playing, like if you've got any foreign players, for their family and friends to watch back home. I mean, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the the good news is that, like, playoffs especially will be televised. So we were on ESPN3 uh, last July for the Super Bowl, which we played in. And um, so that was really cool. And it's great to – I mean, that coverage is obviously the best quality and so it's cool to see that that gets posted onto youtube and you can share that with other people um and i think that's probably been you know why there's been so much interest this year is because you know people got to watch that product at the end of the year um so that's really cool and hoping to just get more of that type of coverage throughout you know the regular season as well would be really awesome Cool. Well, Emily, so you play wide receiver. And um, for anyone that doesn't really know much about American football in the complete most layman terms, they kind of line up, you know, fairly wide. They're particularly athletic and fast and agile. And um, they basically run down the field and will catch the ball if we're being very, very basic. I mean, what, <laughs> what, yeah. what skills do you think one needs to be a wide receiver? And what are your strengths at the position? So you have to be able to catch the ball. And that's not to say that, you know, if you've had a history of dropping things that you can't become a good receiver, right? I mean, we we practice every day just catching the ball at various angles. Like all of the well, – we call ourselves the uh, small skills players. Um, all of us will just throw the ball back and forth to each other and just practice looking the ball in and tucking it in and protecting the ball. Um, so it's something that you, you probably could pick up as long as you're practicing consistently. But, yeah, definitely good hands is probably the number one thing. Um, another thing that you need to have is kind of just your wits about you, right? Because you're catching the ball, and then what you want to do is you want to be able to get small, right? So if you're like me and I'm almost six feet tall, and um, and I'm standing up nice and, you know, being a big target, like linebackers are going to come through and want to clobber you, right? So the it's really good to be able to have the awareness of what's going on on defense. So it's not only just the skills in terms of being able to catch the ball, but it's also kind of having the the smarts to to know the rotation of the defense around you and knowing where to kind of, you know, slow down your route and kind of sit in an open spot to catch the ball uh, and knowing how to, you know, protect yourself once you've caught the ball. So 
there's a number of <laughs> a number of skills involved and it it definitely takes a year or two to catch on and to really hone your craft but it's something that I continue to try to work at and get better at by virtue of you know watching my teammates and paying attention to the the players that I relate to in the NFL like Julian Edelman and um Antonio Brown and other you know skills receivers um yeah it's 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 fun to pay attention to and to just continue to learn from really really interesting insight and kind of leads on a little bit to my next question too which is great what are you thinking what's going through your mind when you are on the line of scrimmage you're listening to the QB for the call so you know when you're about to head off what is going through your mind are you about to like burn it burst into a ball of fire when you come out of your break or what yeah yeah so um, usually what I'm focused on is the player right in front of me. So who's defending a wide receiver is the cornerback. So the corner is usually they're either pressed up. So they're right in my face or they will be a few yards off, uh, depending on the coverage. And so what I'm thinking about typically on the line, I kind of have a routine of things that I'm thinking about. First of all, what is my route? Do I need to get inside of that player or do I need to get outside of that player? Um, or am I blocking that player because we're, you know, doing a run play? Um, so my first thought is, okay, what's going to be my move off of the line? Um, and then my second thought is, okay, that ball is coming to me. Like whether or not I am, so Allison Cahill is our quarterback. I'll always be thinking about, you know, whether I'm her first or second or third read in her progression. Like I'm always thinking that that ball is coming to me. So even if I'm in traffic, even if I am, you know, not the most open receiver, the anticipation is like, I want to catch the ball. Um, and so I think that's the attitude that we've tried to instill and has been instilled in me by veteran players in the past, um, of just wanting to catch the ball, right? Cause if you run your route well, then that opens up a lot of other routes, um, underneath yours, for instance. So it's sort of like being able to have the attitude of, oh, I'm going to go ahead and catch the ball, just not taking a playoff. Um, that's sort of my routine when I get to the line. Are there any particular routes that you really don't like and any particular ones that you really do? <laughs> um, sometimes running a slant is a little bit nerve-wracking or like a drag across the field. Um, so we have a play that's called, and we joke about it all the time, it's, it's a, um, we call it mesh. And so what it is is I stand a little bit closer to the offensive line and I basically run underneath the linebackers all the way across to the other side and I have a teammate that will come kind of the same trajectory but coming in the opposite direction and the point is to kind of create a collide amongst the defense in man coverage and kind of shed those defenders and kind of open up on the you know in the flanks um i wish i could draw that up for you on a, on a whiteboard but hopefully hopefully the audience kind of gets a picture of what yeah, that looks it makes like sense. um yeah, and so it's kind of a it's a nerve-wracking play though because you're you're running you're literally running through like a series of linebackers who are in there to try to knock you off your route. So so those can be a little bit uh harrowing those routes. Um that's definitely a tough one to run, but I think some of my favorite routes are are kind of the double move routes. So we have a little quick out and up move. So I'll kind of run as though I'm running just to the sideline and I'll, you know, give a head turn, look to Allison as though I'm about to catch the ball and then turn on my, you know, turn and run right upfield. And uh, so it'll be a little double, double move. And we've scored a number of touchdowns on that move. So the, the defender will just kind of bite on that quick out. And then I just run basically a, a straight vertical. And usually um, it's like a 25, 30 yard gain at the very least, if not a touchdown. So th those routes are always fun to run. Double moves are the best. Post corners, yeah. Yeah. love them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, Emily, I mean, I've seen some video of you and your teammates in action. And, and by all accounts, as you mentioned earlier, your teammate Alison Cahill, absolutely sterling uh, at the QB position. But yourself as well, top five, I think, for grabs last season, 30 grabs for about 470 yards, if my memory serves me correctly, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how? What's your style of play like? I mean, you're obviously up there with some of the best hands in the league at this point in time, at least. You know, do you? Is there a bit of trash talking? Are you super confident, or are you like kind of like the silent assassin? I would definitely identify with the silent assassin. Yeah, it's funny. I like. I never got into the trash talking, and I don't know if it was when I was a younger player. I thought, oh, if I. You know, if I'm all this talk and then I don't show up and, you know, back that up, then what are people going to think of me kind of thing? Um, 
but yeah, I, I think I've just had this like sort of quiet focus and I don't waste my breath. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's energy that you're wasting out there just kind of talking shit to other people. <laughs> so I just try to reserve, you know, my words for my teammates when we're communicating and then just go ahead and, you know, do my job and run my route from there. And how do you keep in shape to play this sport? Because it's so physically demanding. Yeah, so as fate would have it, I am also a strength and conditioning coach at a gym just outside of Boston. So my job is actually physically demanding on a daily basis because I'm, you know, coaching people through their strength circuits. Um, And this is a general population gym where I work. But it's also super educational because I can, you know, I know how I'm going to design a program, right? And I have one of my coworkers will write my program for me. And so I constantly have access to our facility where I can work out and do things that are specific to uh, football and making sure that I can, you know, do footwork drills on the turf at the gym and pushing sleds and all that um, just to make sure that I'm, you know, developing enough power to play my position and enough strength to hold my own as a receiver, uh, so it, it works out well that I that my job actually allows for me to, to keep in shape and encourages it even. What would you say would be three key exercises for any aspiring American football player? Um, ooh, good question. There's so many things that are going to be beneficial, uh, but as, as specific as you can make it, um, any kind of like, a, like a, an explosive sled push is going to be great. Uh, you know, an explosive like chest press even. Um, God, yeah, there's there's a lot of exercises that, that I would recommend. We do a lot of single leg work because, you know, you're when you're running, you're always on one foot and then the other foot, right? So developing single leg strength, so one at a time. Um, we pull a lot of our uh, programming from a guy by the name of Mike Boyle, who I'm not sure that you would know about, but he's one of the... Uh, sort of head programmers um, in the state of Massachusetts. And he's really developed a lot of the sport programming that that we use at the gym and that we kind of incorporate into our work as well. So being able to have sort of strong single leg stance is really, really important for anyone who's an athlete in general. Um, so those would be my recommendations there. So you're a full-time S&C coach. Uh, is that right? Full-time, your job? Yep, I'm full-time there. Okay, cool. So you're playing in this super-organized Women's American Football League. So what do you consider it to be? Is it like a hobby or is it like kind of, um, I don't know, like do you consider yourself like a semi-pro athlete in any way? Yeah, I definitely consider myself a semi-pro athlete. I I call it my second job. I mean, that is what it is. If I'm not, you know, at home writing programs or at the gym coaching our members, um, I'll be either studying plays or organizing, you know, for instance, we just did a team workout together yesterday at the gym where I work. So I write those programs. Um, you know, we get things organized for, you know, games, for, you know, fundraising events, all of that. So I, I call it a second job because that's that's what it feels like. I mean, not that it's, you know, it doesn't feel like work. I mean, it feels like something that I want to do, uh, but it is consuming in a way that uh, it feels just like, you know, another part of my identity. So your job's pretty relatable to sport, to be honest. What about the kind of, um, what about your teammates? What kind of other jobs do they have? So there's only one other teammate. Actually, Allison is, is a strength coach as well. Um, and then for the most part, people are at desk jobs, they're working in labs, um, they're students even. We have a couple uh, players, a couple teammates who are in law school right now, um, and another one who's working on a PhD program. So everyone's a little bit all over the map, which is why it's really cool to just get people into the gym and kind of coach them up on you know strengths and everything, but also learn from them about what their days are like and just see the way that they're able to um, soldier through the work that they have to do and also be able to get uh, to the field on time and be able to make it to practice times and all that, even with all the commitments that they have uh, on their plates as well. That's a really cool mix. It's it's nice to be around lots of different people, isn't it? And like you said earlier, I think almost at the beginning of this interview, you know, what drew you to sports in a way was kind of people. You're interested in people and community, right? So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it works out really well. And I get to be part of two really awesome communities between the gym and between football. And, um, you know, we've been lucky enough that a number of our, uh, you know, teammates on the Renegades have also joined and become members at the gym as well. So it's nice that we have that overlap and that there is sort of that um, connection between the two. And there's, you know, that support from the gym uh, with the Renegades as well. 
So how often do you all train then? Because, um, you know, anyone who's played American football before or even watched it for that matter, I mean, you know, you've got all these plays, you know, you really need to be in sync with each other and have that chemistry. But if you're all working, you know, how often do you guys train and get together for stuff? So we practice on Tuesday and Thursday evenings, uh, typically from about 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. So that'll be twice a week with like all the coaching staff, with all the drills that, you know, Johnny and Vern are going to put us through. Uh, that'll be twice a week. And then on Saturdays in preseason, when we don't have games yet, we'll do a captain's practice. Um, and so weather permitting, sometimes we'll go outside into a field um, in East Boston and do like a captain's practice and run through routes and really get reps in for, you know, you know, extra stuff that we want to work on that we maybe didn't touch upon in practice. Um, and then if it's, you know, super cold out the way it's been this weekend, uh, I'll go ahead and host a workout at the gym where I work uh, and we'll do a team, you know, lift. So we're just, we're always making the most out of our weekends, uh, depending on people's availability. So usually at least three days a week that we'll all be practicing and training together. Nice. That's really cool. That's really smart. It's, it's, it's those kinds of like meetups as well, isn't it? If you can't train because the weather's a bit ropey outside, if you can all kind of like huddle up and do something, just that is really good for chemistry, isn't it? It, it really is. And actually, there's a fun story that I like to tell because last year uh, we had been, I think it was February and we had a lot of snow, but it was also we had a lot of kind of warm days around the snow. So there was one practice that we went to the field in East Boston for and it was covered in just like really heavy snow, but it was like about four inches. And um, we all took shovels out of our cars and managed to carve out about 30 yards of field space and just practiced kind of within that, you know, uncovered turf that we had shoveled out. Um, and it was really cool because at the, like, we took a big picture from the stadium just to like, see like the, the, like all the work that we had done. I mean, we, it took us probably 45 minutes to do all the shoveling. Um, but we were also able to get in like an hour and a half of a practice and it was super valuable to, to be able to do that and to be able to have sort of the teammates around you that would, would buy in and, and would make that effort to make sure that we were able to, uh, make the most of our time together. So that was really cool. Really cool. Really impressive, actually. And sp and speaking of the snow, if anyone is to Google search um, the Boston Renegades and maybe even your name as well, they see you catching a touchdown pass in the snow. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so that probably would have been what we called the snowball game. And this would have been in Cleveland, I think, three years ago now. Uh, so this would have been my second year. And we were playing, I think that was one of the first games of the season. So it was early April. And um, Cleveland happened to get, you know, this crazy ice storm and, you know, crazy snowfall the day that we were planning on going there. So we showed up to the field and our actually our coaching staff helped to shovel a lot of the snow off. But of course, you know, there's only so much that they could have done and they didn't really have the facility management to help us with the rest of the field. So we ended up running through snow the entire game and... Um, I think there, there was a pass at the end of the game where Allison threw to me and it was like a 50 yard touchdown or something like that. And I think, you know, a couple of our other receivers had really great catches in that game as well. Um, and it's just one of those games that just toughens you up. Right. I mean, and especially that early in the season, it was cool to see everyone just kind of bond together and, and, uh, just be, just have that grit that it takes to, to win a game in that kind of adversity. Uh, so that was a really cool experience. And of course, it's just it's fun to watch because you just don't always see football being played in the snow like that, at least not in, you know, not in like a spring league, especially. I like how you say it was a cool experience. It looked bloody freezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have a touchdown celebration at all? We're actually we're trying to we're trying to work on um, coming up with ideas for for this year specifically. Um, I had a celebration with um hillary crook who's one of our linemen and we we would always get to the end zone and kind of have a tea party with each other <laughs> so just kind of like a you know tossing sugar cubes at each other and drinking tea in the end zone that was kind of our our way of celebrating last year without being you know too because event you will get flagged if you do things that are a little bit too flagrant so we didn't want to you know be putting our kicker in a position on kickoff uh, you know, getting 10 yards called back for a penalty for excessive celebration. Um, but we have also a, another uh, receiver, Steph, um, and she, when she would score, she would, 
she would basically pretend like she had like a pot of like stew or food or whatever it was. And she would basically like dish it out as though she was feeding the line. Um, so we, we have a couple different ways that we celebrate together and it's, it's always a little bit new and a little bit nuanced and we're hoping to come up with something a little bit creative this year. <laughs> the tea party is so regal and jaunty. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. We have fun with it. Absolutely. Almost quite, um, well, I guess quite apt in a way as well. If you think about the Boston tea party in a way, I don't know. So there's some kind yeah. of connection there, isn't there? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think we even made that connection. It just worked out well. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. It. Great stuff. So, I mean, Emily, are you superstitious in any way? Do you have any like pre pre game rituals in any way? Yeah, it's funny that you asked that because I feel like I, as a baseball player growing up, we always had sort of our superstitions and you know our routines before going up to bat. Um, with football, I feel like I kind of outgrew that a little bit. I mean, I always have like a routine that I stick to, um, but I don't get worried if there's something that kind of comes up that I need to address or if there's something that kind of goes out of order. Um, just because we've had so many games where something will happen and we don't get enough warm up time or there's, there's just so many different moving parts before a football game that it's just not something that's become like so important to me, or I guess, I guess I've been able to mentally compartmentalize what it is that I need to do. And if it gets interrupted, I'm able to kind of have a plan B and, uh, go ahead and kind of stay level headed. So luckily I have a number of teammates who are level-headed so i i turn to them if i need them too nice cool all right then so the renegades you're defending national champions going into this new season that kicks off in april what is it about your team and your teammates and the coaches that makes that difference that propels you to the top level uh what, what is it about our team specifically yeah what is it that gives you all the edge do you think i think <laughs> i think it's the level of commitment I mean, I think it, it really is. I think we have a number of players who understand the basic like elements of um, what it takes to be really excellent at what you do. Uh, so I think it's just the repetition of the fundamentals um, and knowing how to sort of layer your game, right? So no one's ever settling on, okay, I'm an athlete, so therefore I can be athletic and rely upon that solely, right? Everyone is always looking to be better and looking to make their teammates better, right? So it's never just like a one-person show. Um, Everyone's always understanding like, hey, I need to run my route this way so that I can make sure that all the routes are have the correct separation and that you know my that this play will be the most successful as possible as long as I do my job. Um, So I think it's just kind of a it's a level of maturity. Um, and a level of investment that in combination works to accelerate this team to, to the level that it needs to be at. Cool. Yeah, nice answer. Uh, the setup for sports, uh, Emily, in the US is, is so different to here in the UK. I mean, it seems like it's much more of a big deal through school, through college, for boys and for girls. What's your experience been um, playing as a girl, a young woman and an adult playing sport through those years at a high level? Yeah, I mean, it always was just something that I did. Like it was, it was like school, right? So it was kind of like a, taking like a fifth or a sixth class. So um, it it was just there was always people around me that were doing the same thing. So it was usually my friend group that would be playing baseball with me or basketball or whichever sport it was. And you know, I grew up with a lot of boys. I grew up with a lot of uh, girls as well who loved to play sports. So. By the time I got to high school, was mostly playing sports with uh, girls, and just happened to have a community really that that loved to play as well. So I really I did get lucky with the circumstances that I grew up with a lot of people who were driven in academics, but also driven in in sport, kind of in the same capacity that they were driven with academics. So you know we had a lot of my classmates that also got recruited to play in the uh, NESCAC league, which is the New England Small College Athletic Conference. Um, so I played for Tufts and I have a number of high school friends who went on to play their sport at like Middlebury and Amherst and, you know, everywhere else. So it, it really was just kind of a community of young athletes that I grew up with uh, from, you know, my hometown. Um, and we kind of helped to propel ourselves forward. What do you think the landscape is, is like for women's sport nowadays? Are there more opportunities out there, do you think? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, Especially with the level of social media as a platform, I think people will use that to kind of show off if there's, you know, like we have a, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but there's a youth 
football player, um, I think Sarah something, but she plays in a youth league out in Utah. And she, her video of her playing flag football uh, as a girl amongst all the boys went viral a few years back. And so she's working to gain steam to try to create like a, you know, girls only football league. Um, so there, there's definitely some initiatives that have taken off by virtue of the exposure that um, social media has given to, to girls sports and to women's sports. Um, but yeah, it's really encouraging to see that, you know, something like the, the Boston Pride is a uh, women's hockey team that's become a professional hockey organization in Boston. So they took off just a few years back and they play at one of the Bruins facilities in Boston. Um, and so I've got season tickets for, for their games and it's, it's great to just support communities like that. Um, you know, it's, it, it can be frustrating because some teams will end up folding. So, for instance, the Boston Breakers are a women's soccer team who I grew up loving because, you know, Christine Lilly um, and uh, Branna Scurry used to play for the Boston Breakers when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And those were my heroes growing up, right? Those were all the women that were part of the uh, 1999 World Cup championship team. And, um, and so that's a team that I really invested in as a kid. And it's frustrating to see when they kind of fold now, just, I think last year they folded. Um, so that can be kind of frustrating to watch, but the hope is that, you know, we find a way to carve out a landscape that can continue to support women's sports because, you know, I think especially sports, you know, let's say, you know, football squad, supporting a hockey squad, supporting a soccer squad. It's just, it's a cool community to, to be a part of. And I hope that we can continue to kind of interlace that legacy and just keep building. I mean, some commentators, some commentators and like sports analysts would kind of argue that a great way for, for women's sports to propel themselves forward is to align themselves with the men's game in some way. So you think about like, you know, uh, tennis majors, uh, the US Open and Wimbledon, or you think about, like um, um, I think they would like more golf majors if the men's and women's game could go together. And there's an argument as well that, for instance, there should be a female version of the Tour de France and run it at the same time as the men's as well, as an as you know, in an effort to improve the kind of spectatorship uh, for women's sports. And and I noticed recently that uh, well, I, th- I don't think I think it was maybe last year. You probably know more about this uh, than me, Emily. That uh, Adidas did a a campaign, an advert campaign called Breaking Barriers, and it had Von Miller in it and some of your football colleagues from the Mile High Blaze um, kind of bringing, you know, men's and women's American football together in an advertising campaign. Is, is that kind of stuff important, do you think? Yeah, no, I think it is. It's definitely going to be a piece of the puzzle. Um, yeah, that that was a really cool ad campaign. I, I love that. Um, but it's definitely not like the whole picture. And I, you know, I wouldn't really be able to speak to the, you know, entrepreneurship that it takes to, to run a league. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's cool to see, you know, for instance, the, the Pittsburgh passion, they had been, they kind of paired up with, um, the Steelers organization. They're like various players. So, uh, oh, what's his name? I'm forgetting his name now. Who is, he was a former Steelers player, Franco Harris. That's who I'm thinking of. And he, he was a part owner of the Pittsburgh Passion, who is the women's program. Um, and so the, that program was super successful for a number of years. And in part because, you know, Pittsburgh is such a football town and they had such kind of like a paired partnership between the teams. Um, to make that a universal thing across the country would be really, really great. Like if we could pair with the Patriots, you know, get a little bit more support from them. Um, I think that would be awesome. So there's so many different kind of moving parts. And I think, you know, the ad campaigns, the partnering with the, you know, um, congruent uh, men's teams would be awesome. Uh, I think it's just a matter of kind of figuring out how to create one league, because right now we have a couple leagues that are starting. There's one that's starting on the West Coast now. And I think it kind of dilutes the talent pool across the country. So when we can all kind of pair together and just get one elite league going, I think that that's kind of the starting point. And then all those other factors will kind of help roll into a really successful product at the end. Emily, you've got such a good attitude and you really you're quite inspiring. Who inspires you? Who motivates you? Um, I find that my teammates are just the, the best. Like they motivate me. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I have, uh, friends on the, on the squad who are in law school right now, like they're going to be taking their, uh, the bar exam during our championship week in July. And like to see that they're able to get from their classes and be able to give it their all at practice is so inspiring. Um, you know, Allison Cahill, I'll keep talking about her because I think she is 
a true professional. I mean, you watch her, the like every routine that she has, every ounce of energy she puts into every practice, you would think that she has like a seven-figure salary. Like that's truly the level of of play that she's bringing to every single practice, to every single game. Um, so it's just, we just have so much fun together. And it's just, it's cool to see that, you know, people will go through different, you know, interpersonal uh, situations outside of the the program and be able to kind of leave that out and just go ahead and, and join rank with the team and be able to play the, at the level that they're able to play at. Uh, and that those are the fundamental just points of inspiration for me when I, when I go to practice and when I, you know, think about what my goals are for the season. And speaking of salaries, are there any women playing tackle football now who can, well, who do get paid and can make a bit of a living out of playing? Um, not to my knowledge right now, that is part of the initiative of the, uh, what's called the WNFC that's, that was created on the West coast, um, by a former Dallas elite player. And so the idea was to kind of cut out the players fees at first and then, you know, eventually get onto a more professional contracting system, um, and have bigger sponsorships, you know, help to support the league. Uh, but to my knowledge, I don't know of any women who are getting paid to play football. What I do know is that there are women who are now coaching in the NFL circuit. So people like Jen Welter and Katie Sowers um, are now assistant coaches and are being paid to coach in the NFL, which is really cool. And I think that's a really great you know, avenue for a lot of you know, former players to, to get into. Um, but to my knowledge, it's, it's a lot of people who are putting a lot of money down for player fees on an annual basis. Emily, this interview has been super interesting. I've kept you a lot longer than I said I would. I must apologize. <laughs> but it's. Uh, oh, that's fine. This is fun. <laughs> I cannot wait to publish it. A big question for you now. Tough, big question. Are you and the Renegades going to defend your national championship this season? That is only the ever. That is that is the only plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one game at a time. But um, yeah, we're not stopping. I mean, we want more rings and. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a you become kind of a junkie after a while. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to quit when you 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 gain steam and you get going and you start winning games. So that is the plan. And you've got a ring, right? Yep, got one ring. So last year was our first championship that I played for. Yeah. Is there any particular game this season that you're looking forward to the most? Is there a grudge match, a revenge match, a rivalry in any way? Yeah, so we play the DC Divas. That's uh, the Washington DC team, and uh, they're always our rival. So they always give us a, a good run. Um, and so we'll usually play them at least twice in the regular season, and then at least once in the playoffs. So it's always kind of you know who's going to win the rubber match kind of situation because we you know won one game in the regular season against them, and then lost one last year, and then ended up coming back and beating them in the playoffs. So. That's always a fun rivalry because it's been, you know, around for as long as women's football has been around for. Uh, so those games are always a lot of fun. And, you know, we always end up just learning so much from the game, whether or not we win. But, I mean, the plan is always to win. <laughs> I love it. Down with the Divas. I hope you crushed them. Go Renegades. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope any Divas who might listen to this episode of the podcast, which I hope they might, um, don't take that too to heart because it would be wonderful to have one of them as a guest on one day as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Emily, That's awesome. Yeah. Emily, cool. Uh, interview's done. That's the hard part. Well, actually, I don't know. I think that might be the easy part. Now we're going to do a fun. <laughs> we're going to do a fun quiz. Okay. Wow. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Okay. Which three words describe you best? Uh, <laughs> uh, grit, thoughtful, um, oh, uh, uh, stoic. <laughs> I love how that question always stumps our guests. It's brilliant. Well, I'm glad no one's asking yeah. me to be fair. Yeah. Um, what, what's the best thing that's happened to you the past week? The past week? Um, we, we've had a really great week of practice. I think having a really good workout yesterday with the team was a lot of fun. Best locker room prank you've ever seen or been a part of? Oh boy, have I seen a locker room prank? Oh my god, I don't. I mean, I'm gonna. I be, don't know. I'm gonna be I, so disappointed if there if there isn't one. There must be something. I'm I'm sure there's something, but I'm trying to think of what it would have been. Okay. I don't know if I could. I come back to me on that one. I we'll, might be able to think. We'll of something. come back to that one at the end. What was your favorite subject okay. growing up? Favorite subject. Um. I really liked English. I liked I liked reading poetry and I liked writing. What would be a perfect job? 
my perfect job is the job that I have. I get to coach people and work with people all the time, and it's it's the best. What's the longest word that you know? Would it probably be anti-disestablishmentarianism? <laughs> I think that's probably it. <laughs> that is impressive. Very, very impressive. You might have won the award actually on this podcast for longest that's good. word. That's good. I'll have to double check and get back to you, but you might be up there, top top three at least. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Who's uh, well? I kind of asked you this already, but the most inspirational person you know is there any particular person? Oh boy. Um, I feel like it comes and goes in waves, but I, I personally love Ayanna Presley, who right now is, we just, I just voted for her in the uh, last Democratic primary. So we ushered her in as the first black woman um, to go to Congress from the state of Massachusetts. So she's super inspiring and I love the work that she's doing in Washington already. And I think just public service is a huge thing for me. And I, I love the work that she's doing. So I, I like to follow her and see what she's doing and the work that she's doing. Nice answer. Okay, you're having a tea party. You can invite three people, anyone you like, dead or alive. What are you, what are you eating, and who's coming? We're definitely eating finger sandwiches, t- tiny sandwiches. Maybe we're eating sliders, like tiny burgers. You know? Okay, got I'd that. probably have it be a little bit less proper. Yeah, yeah. We'd probably go just like full on, like sloppy Joe. Um, and then the people that I'd like to, you said three people, right? Three, yeah. Um. Oh God, I feel like I would have to have Tina Fey there. It would hard. It would be hard to not have both Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, who are two of the funniest women, who I just love. Um, and then probably like like Mia Hamm, maybe one of like my childhood heroes. Yeah, I think that sounds that sounds like a fun group of three. <laughs> that is a fun group of three. Love it. Okay, just two more. Then here we go. What's the worst present you've ever received? The worst present. Um, Oh, God. I got one time from my mom. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this podcast ever. She gave me a shirt or it was like a sweater and it had like all these funky like buttons and other things on it. And I was like, this doesn't <laughs> she's got she's she's an artist. And so I was like, this seems more like something for you than for me. And we kind of laughed about it. Um, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't a terrible present, but it definitely was not something I was going to wear. <laughs> Love that. What's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, be yourself and trust yourself. Emily, fantastic. You've been brilliant. This has been really interesting. Um, thank you so much and best of luck with the upcoming season. I hope you guys absolutely kill it and manage to defend your national championship and win the Natty again. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Luke. I really appreciate it. I forgot to go back to the locker room prank question, didn't I? So often our guests are stumped by one of the quiz questions. And I say, oh, we'll go back to that at the end. But I totally forgot, and I normally always do, to revisit uh, that one question at the end. I'll remember next time. But I can't believe there wasn't a hilarious uh, locker room prank. In all the years Emily's been playing sports, nothing at all. I think, you know what, she might be holding back on that one, maybe. Got a hunch? Uh, hats off to Emily. That's Emily Beinecke. Uh Hats off to her for being a good sport. Just because I'm such a massive American football fan, um, she's probably uh, one of my favourite guests so far that we've had on the pod. You know, all the guests are great, but, you know, I love the sport so much. Uh, the Boston Renegades get their season underway in April, where they'll defend their national title. Can't wait to follow them. Check them out on social media. Wishing them all the best of luck. Well, that's it for another episode of The Good Sports Podcast. If you like what you hear, people, let us know by reviewing the podcast on iTunes, leaving a comment, and, uh, well, maybe share it amongst your friends on social media. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at NewsLukeDC. I'll pop that in the episode guide. So I'll see you on the next one. 